pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. Welcome to another edition of PGA Grinders Live After Dark. I am your host, Justin Van Zuden, who might be the only face you recognize here from the past few weeks. Uh, Brian Devonshire was out uh, traversing the World Series of Poker. Gib Pollard was out traversing the lands of Australia. And we also have a new face with us tonight on the golf program. So let's get the introductions out of the way. You already know who I am, so I won't spend any time talking about myself. But we will welcome back Mr. Gib Pollard. And uh, Gib, how was your trip to Australia? Uh, it was good, mate. It was good. It was good catching up with family and friends. Uh actually spent majority of my time in, in a place of Australia I've never seen before, and that was Darwin. I heard there's a theory about that place, but uh, yeah, it was uh, 90 degrees in the winter, in the dry season there. I was there for two and a half weeks out of my three weeks, so yeah, it was a great place to go. Gotta say, Darwin, Australia, one of the best places to have small kids because everything there is free for kids. So many activities. Uh, my four nieces and my son, uh, we, we had a blast doing things every day and it didn't even cost us a cent. Well, that's nice for the frugal folks out there like uh, like myself. I would enjoy that, especially with two little ones. So uh, nice to hear that you had a good trip and you come back and Bryson DeChambeau is a PGA Tour winner. So I know you're looking forward to talking about that tonight. Slap me in the face right out of the <laughs> gate. Oh, we know you love him. You'll come around after. Uh, you just got to get over the hat. But uh, anyway, welcome back. Brian Devonshire also back, although I asked uh, before the show if he was broadcasting from jail, and I can promise you that he's not broadcasting from jail. He's broadcasting from his office at, uh, at his place of work. So, uh, Debo, thanks for jumping on and welcome back. Yeah, glad to be back. It was a fun run in Vegas. I got some TV time and didn't last very long in the main event. I came back way poorer than uh, I was already. But, you know, it was a good experience. Always fun to uh, get some TV time and glad to be back out here doing some fancy golf. I want to know, Gib, uh, is Darwin named after Darwin? Or which one came first? Uh, I think the chicken did, mate. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, they have a Charles Darwin University there. So obviously, I think, uh, well, I, I actually, I can't even answer that really. But I know they have a Charles Darwin University. So I guess he had the theory, didn't he? Yes. So oh, it was yeah. Dar I thought you were saying down Australia. Nah. You have, I'm not sure if you're aware you have uh, a bit of an accent. Darwin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pronounced <laughs> Darwin with like 
three A's. Okay. We're used to we're used to the accent here on the show, so I got it. But uh <laughs> I was Googling, I was like down Australia. The hell? Okay. All right. Oh, that's really uh that's really out of the ways from uh, a lot of things in Australia. That's like Northern Territory. Yep. Yeah. I was born in Sydney and not even I realized how far Darwin was was from Sydney. Except when I, I booked my uh my flights and realized it was a four and a half hour flight from Sydney to Darwin. Yeah. Darwin. Kevin got Kevin got the location right after he figured out what he was supposed to uh, type in right. there. Yeah. <laughs> city. Uh, and speaking of Kevin, Mr. Kevin Roth, our chief meteorologist, is joining us tonight. I had to bait him into coming on uh, since the weather is so important for the Open Championships. So, uh, Kevin, welcome to the golf show for the first time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And uh, more of this. Bring it on. I, I like talking golf because I really think it is, you know, baseball weather everybody talks about, everybody pays attention. Golf weather is something that I think a lot of times kind of flies under the radar and I think good money can be made making the right weather choices playing golf. So I, I like it. Yeah. Last week we didn't see too much of an edge at the John Deere classic. Uh, pretty Somebody did though. Somebody That's saw a big of an edge last week. Who was it cards? I have no idea what you're talking about. It was you. Didn't you kill it? Didn't you kill it? <laughs> I, I had a pretty solid week last week for sure. And it's, it, it's always nice uh, when it's at your home event uh, the course is about 30 minutes from me so i was there on saturday and sunday and got to watch uh, from the 18th green on sunday as the uh, players came down the back nine so it was uh, nice to sweat that out with another dfs player as well uh, skeeter robinson was there uh, sweating it out with me on sunday so it was fun and thank you for the uh, congrats yeah no you've been you've been on fire and that must be like the ultimate you're at the event near your home while you're winning the dfs that's like everything coming together all at once yeah probably you know on my phone as much as i was watching the shots come in right <laughs> trying to track the scores but uh yeah it was uh, fun at the john deere classic last week but very mild weather and that's probably not uh what we we're looking at this week last year at royal troon for this event so the open championships played at a different course every year they've got a uh, eight or nine course rotation uh, that they use for for this tournament so we haven't had an event at this year's course royal brookdale since 2008 uh, also in 1998 the event was played here both years we saw pretty extreme weather and uh, and difficult scoring for for the last two times that it was uh, played here and last year albeit at a different course there was about a three three and a half shot advantage for the first two days because of the weather and if you stacked uh, the tea times, which last year was the Thursday afternoon and the Friday morning guys were the ones that you wanted. Uh, it certainly was a big advantage for you. So uh, the big key with the weather over in England, as they say, it changes constantly. So uh, we've got our work cut out for us maybe, but uh, Kevin, what can you see here with us being about uh, 30 or so hours away from the start? I, I think weather's going to play a big impact again. I think I, I really think it's going to matter and you know 24 hours ago i put together a forecast and i thought yeah you might be able to see an advantage and now as i look at it more i think that advantage is probably becoming a little more clearer and i'll update it again tomorrow and i expect it will be even more divided at that point um and the simplest way to put it is thursday's pretty good weather all day uh, you're talking 10 to 15 mile per hour winds mostly dry but when you get into Friday, it gets a lot worse. And in particular, 
Friday morning is when it gets a lot worse. Uh, I've seen, uh, depending on what you're looking at, winds 30 plus, gusts of 40 plus, and that's for Friday morning. Now, I think that might be a little high, but I've got 20 to 30 mile per hour sustained winds, gusts of over 30. That is, that's not great golfing weather and you're mixing in some rain too. And by the time you get into Friday afternoon, it's still not going to be great golfing weather, but I don't expect those winds are going to be gusting around 40 anymore. So for me, it's pretty clear cut. You, you try to get out of Friday morning if you can and, and if the golfers allow you to do that. Yeah, the problem is uh, I would say based on what I was kind of rough mathing out, about 70% of the playable guys are in that uncomfortable weather wave. So uh, if, if there was no weather impact at all, I think you'd see a good 70% of the total ownership on the guys that play Friday morning. So that's going to throw uh, tricks into the plans for sure. How about rain? Does it look like anything as far as heavy precipitation or anything that might cause a delay Friday morning, which would then throw off the, the, the golf times? The truth is I don't know. I, I don't know how heavy the rain is going to be. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the heck they would play through. I think the wind is definitely a bigger concern than the rain, but you're right. If you get enough rain so that it delays, then that essentially changes the whole forecast. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be a delay or not. There's certainly going to be some rain. I think it's passing often on showers though. I lean towards it not being enough for a delay. And I think the winds are the big issue. Yeah. I also think you said what 70% of the eligible golfers or the, the well, that 70% of the guys that I would that I think people would target. Yeah. Right. Are, are on that slate. And to me, that seems even better. It seems like even more of a reason to fade them. If that's where everyone's going to be, then you get some guys at lower ownership plus the better weather. I, look, I know nothing about who's golfing, who's good, or what the course is, but I do know the weather is going to be better in the afternoon, and if you can get it at low ownership, I, for one, am, am at this point very for it. Now, so, Kevin, let yeah. me ask you. Let me ask you about uh, Saturday morning weather. If they have a yeah. potential delay, when do you think they'll start playing on Friday? And if guys get bumped into Saturday, is that going to be an advantage or a disadvantage? Uh, the last time I looked into Saturday was yesterday. I didn't look today. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Um, but as of last check, the weather looks all in all pretty good for the weekend. So if it gets bumped. I guess I would call what Friday afternoon would probably be slightly worse than a Saturday morning. Um, so, you're, so either you're still way, looking at an edge there, yeah. For the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think either way, you're still looking at at a little bit of an edge, even with a delay, though not not as big of one as trying to get out of the the Friday morning. Yeah, and from I, what I see, obviously, just through a couple of pages, the Saturday still looks pretty good. So yeah, um, they, at, at worst. I mean, you're probably looking at a wash there if that happens. So the only uh, concern would be, I mean, people say the weather forecast over there can change in an instant. So if you push those heavy wind times, you know, back or forward by a few hours, that could obviously make a difference and yeah. prob probably wise for people to, uh, to revisit the forecast tomorrow. Yeah. And I have seen that happen. And with golf, that matters so much because what we're what, 30 hours out, you said from the tournament? Yeah, about roughly. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you don't think in 30 hours the forecast can change four or five hours, you're out of your mind. And if it gets pushed back a few hours, 
that's a pretty significant thing. So definitely check back tomorrow. I'm going to give a full forecast update and I'm going to push it out on every bit of social media we have. Um, so follow along. But for now, I am pro team fade Friday morning. I have a question, Kevin. Yeah. Um, between, was it ECMWF? Yes, yes, that's the Euro model. And GFS? Yes. Is that the American model? That's the American, yeah. Okay, because the American model says 30 average sustained winds, 30, and then gusts up to 40. Mm -hmm. The European model, I just checked it, and it's saying potential gusts up to 42, um, roughly around four in the afternoon as well. So is there any difference between the models in terms of is one more sort of trustworthy than the other, or is it just, I, I'm not a weather guy at all, yeah. but I'm seeing two different models. One saying, I mean, earlier, I mean, when I was writing my article last night, both sort of said similar things with right. just a couple of hours off. Now one is saying one thing, one saying the other. So do we know if there's any sort of way to pick which one might be the more accurate one? It's hard for me to say this flat out, but I will anyways, generally speaking, the Euro is a stronger model than mm -hmm. the GFS. And that's just because there's been a lot more money dumped into it. So if the Euro is starting to tilt a little later, that's definitely something that is worth watching. Um, they're both good models. They're, they're both, mm -hmm. we use them both, but if you put the two against each other, the Euro would come out on top probably seven times out of 10. Okay. So, well, that's so interesting. The, yeah. That's good the, to know. They yeah. do everything better than us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so yeah, I will uh, obviously be looking at it, be updating it. And uh, I guess I'll tag all of you gentlemen in uh, whatever it is I tweet. So uh, we can make sure everybody is well aware. You can push it out to the masses. That sounds good. Yeah, I uh, I sent out a tweet today with everyone's handles in it. So you will be able to have everybody's handle from that if you don't already. So well, we thank you for coming on, Mr. Roth. Uh, we'll let you go. We won't make you sit through an hour of golf talk, but uh, we appreciate you taking the time out, and we will uh, check back in tomorrow. All right. I, I appreciate not uh, having to sit through that, but you guys uh, <laughs> give the people the info they need and uh, make everybody some money, all right? All right. Thanks, Kevin. Good. Thanks, Thanks Kevin. Kevin. Later, guys. All right. So, again, uh, as of now, it looks like uh, Friday morning might be the uh, more treacherous of the tee times, uh, at least – for the tournament this week. So if you can avoid the Friday morning guys, uh, it's looking like a, a decent shot to have a weather edge right now. Again, that's all subject to change as we head uh, closer to tea times about uh, 30 hours from now as we're taping this at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday night. And the tournament starts uh, just after midnight on Thursday morning, six hours time difference between my central time zone and uh, Southport England. So five hours difference between the Eastern time zone. If you are looking to stay up till the last possible minute to set your lineups, I believe it's 1.30 a.m. Eastern on the Eastern time zone, 12.30 a.m. Central time, 11.30 p.m. Mountain time, 10.30 Pacific time. So Gib, you might have a manageable lineup lock time. Well, I was just going to say uh, in Australia, most on a, it's a Thursday night since Australia is ahead of the US. So uh, an average PGA tournament starts at 11 o'clock on a Thursday uh, night. 
when uh, prime drinking time for the masses. So I don't know how DFS yeah, PGA works back in my homeland. <laughs> well, if you want to join the conversation with the show tonight, if you haven't noticed, we have a new chat feature over at Rotor Grinders that's in beta. Uh, you can find it on the homepage in the top bar between the PGA dropdown and the main forum dropdown. There's a thing that says chat uh, beta next to it. Or you can just go to rotogrinders.com backslash chat. And there's uh, different channels in there. There's a best ball NFL channel. There's a MLB channel. There's an NFL channel. And there's a golf channel. Um, it's oftentimes hard to get questions from the chat, from the general chat on the Grinders Live page because everyone's talking baseball or what have you, other things. I am in the golf channel right now on the chat chat page. Again, rotorgrinders.com slash chat. Find the golf channel on the left-hand side there. And if you guys want to chat during the show, that'd be a nice place to be able to isolate from the general conversation on the Grinders Live page. So check that out if you haven't already. And uh, with that, it's probably time to start getting into the picks for this week. Uh, three guys got into this by uh, virtue of their finishes at the Scottish Open last week. One person got in from the John Deere Classic. That was the winner, Bryson DeChambeau. So he is in the field this week. And uh, we've got a par 70 course, not overly long in terms of distance. It's a little over 7,100 yards, uh, generally regarded as a course where you want to be in the fairway off the tee lots of holes contain dog legs so uh, hitting fairways and greens and being in the right spot for your approaches is going to be critical and you know if the weather the wind picks up you're going to have to scramble for a lot of pars so a little bit different than your traditional course that you'll see in the united states which is why some of the american golfers are a little bit cheaper than what you might uh, see on a normal week on the pga tour so uh, Devo, I'll kick it off for you. What do you think about the course and uh, areas to target this week? I think this course is interesting. As you mentioned earlier, the last time they played here was in 2008, back in the 90s before that. And I don't really think course or the open history is going to be relevant here. This is a par 70, 7,156 yards, and the defense is from the wind. They're going to have really nice scoring conditions on the weekend. Uh, decent on Thursday, and as Roth mentioned on Friday, it's pretty sick that uh, the Friday morning group, even if there's a delay, they're still going to have a tougher go of it Friday afternoon. So they're going to have to basically skip Friday for the that early wave to dodge all the disadvantage. Um, the Tour Junkies podcast had this feller named Ashton Morrison on it who's over there and really knows his stuff. Uh, I agree with a lot of the things he said that the, the, the greens are pretty normal in size. They're not very complex and you don't need to be a good putter here. Uh, you do need to keep it in the fairway. You do need to hit greens and just run hot with the putter. So it's such an interesting week with the Millie maker and being contrarian and knowing how volatile putting is. Um, I think I'm looking for, you know, the strokes gain stats, driving accuracy, greens and reg, par four scoring, but I really want to be different than the herd and try to, you know, just kind of figure out what the optimal ownership to projection things are with these guys. It's going to be so weird. You know, like I feel like by tomorrow, everybody's going to know not to play the Friday AM guys. So like how big of a disadvantage is it? 
lot of ways to go. It's tough to forecast a, a pretty you know new course to us. Yeah, for sure. And with the way the top end golfers have been playing over the last month or so, a lot of them, that just throws another uh, wrench into the plans with how people are going to build their lineups this week and, and makes this a really interesting conversation. Uh, Gib, what do you got on Royal Brookdale for the people? Uh, just like uh, what I discussed with Kevin is, you know, the Euro model is saying that the Friday afternoon could be slightly windier in terms of gusts. Um, yeah, it has, it seems to have shifted just in the last hour or two. I yeah, so, I mean, if that's the case, I'm going to have to rewrite my articles. <laughs> it depends on where you look, though. I mean, yeah, the other models are still kind of saying Friday morning is the uh, the toughest time. And, mm -hmm. again, we'll probably just have to wait till Kevin updates tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, maybe even into tomorrow evening before we find out for sure. And it's uh, it's really tricky. And it almost is one of those scenarios where, if you can reserve your entries and wait until, you know, late, we get an hour or two before tea time to build your lineups. It might be the most ideal strategy or else you'll just be changing them a million times like me. It's, what it's time do lineups time. lock? What's that? What time do lineups lock? It's 1.35 a.m. on the East Coast and 10.35 p.m. on the West Coast. That's and Wednesday, Thursday-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle of the night, Wednesday into Thursday. But it's the only time of the year maybe potentially other than the Asian events where the Pacific coast has a slight advantage over the East coast to where we can actually change our lineups in normal time as well. Post. It depends on what type of person you are. I'm talking about the, you know, married dad, three kids, <laughs> uh, gonna, gonna go to work the next day type of person. So you don't, you don't enjoy maybe having to get up at 3.30 to check for withdrawals. No, no, no. I sometimes uh, fly by the seam of my pants and sort of not wake up. And some, you know, majority of the times it doesn't bite me in the butt, but, you know, once or twice it has. All right. Well, that's the layout here. And again, they've played uh, here 2008-1998, the most recent uh, two events here. And the weather was really nasty for both of those. So, uh, you look at the scores and you think, wow, uh, it, it doesn't have to be that difficult here. I mean, if you go back to previous opens, the scoring wasn't near that bad. Uh, now, I don't think you're going to see the birdie fest that you saw from Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson last year at, at Royal Troon, but uh, it, it's all going to depend on how nasty the weather is. Thursday doesn't look terrible. Uh, Friday, maybe, you know, depending on the rain, depending on the wind, depending on the timing. You know, it's all going to depend on on the weather as far as how the scoring goes. So it came across uh, an interesting prop bet out there. Minus one thirty, yeah, minus one thirty-five. You can take the don't on the winning score being minus five or better. I think that's a really good number. I mean, I think that that's probably a lot of people would rush and say, well, it's going to be worse than that because you look at the last two and it was plus three and even. Uh, but that was in nasty weather, you know, 40 mile an hour wind gusts and things of that nature for multiple days. So I don't know. I, and let's, uh, I'll pull up my polls. I, I posted a few polls on Twitter to talk about during the show today. Uh, one of them was winning score of the week. 18% said minus seven or better. 52% said minus two to minus six. 26% said plus three to minus one. 4% said plus four or worse. Um, 
I think, you know, in the survey that we do on the site where we just guesstimate a winning score, I put minus three. So I, but I think that's a good line and it all depends on uh, what the weather is going to be like. I, I would lean towards, you know, it being not that, that high, but Hey, it all takes is one guy. They also have the under seven and a half guys being under par as a minus 135 prop. Under seven and a half guys in. Yeah, they're saying that seven or fewer guys are going to finish the weekend under par. Uh, I'd go over on that. You can get a plus 105 if you want that bet. Well, it's weird. I mean, even last year. Well, okay. So last year there were 17 guys under par and one at minus 20 and one at minus 17 and nobody else better than minus six, <laughs> which is strange. It's still strange to this day, but uh, that's interesting. I think those are pretty good lines. Obviously, if you think the winning score is going to be better than minus five, there's probably going to be more than seven guys under par. Um, right. But, you know, obviously those two things would be correlated to some degree. Any other interesting ones that you see? Um, I saw a whole bunch of like to finish better than X place. I had Spieth on top of the list and they had him at 16th place. You can basically get even money uh, saying he's either going to do better or worse than that. And then that was followed by DJ and on down the line. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Lots of rabbit holes. You can go down there for mm -hmm. sure with an event uh, as big as this one. Let's dig into the golfers for this week. Uh, Gib, I know you've been away for a month, but you've missed uh, some struggles from the likes of Dustin Johnson and Rory and Jason Day. And lots of these top end guys just haven't played well lately, which might lead more people to take a balanced lineup approach this week. Uh, lots of people saying that they feel this tournament is, is absolutely wide open. Uh, so, you know, it's not a few months ago or a year or so ago where Dustin Johnson or Jason day was lapping the field in terms of results. So uh, what do you do with these top guys now? Anybody that you just feel completely comfortable playing at the moment? The one thing, the one thing I noticed, you know, cause I, I really didn't get to see much. Um, I was pretty much asleep when most tournaments were going on. Um, I was very surprised to see there's a lot of people coming off first place finishes. Um, you know, Spieth, Brooks, uh, John Rahm, um, to a lesser. Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, him and Xander. Um, and well, yeah. even Rafael Cabrera-Bella. So, you know, that usually you have maybe one, maybe two, you know, maybe a, a guy from the, the Japan tour that's coming in off a win. But, you know, we have, you know, I, I looked at Spieth, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be really popular because he's coming off a win. But, you know, that was a while ago, and there's other players coming off a win, just like John Rahm, who is almost as much as a DFS darling than Jordan Spieth. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying – I don't really have a true grasp on what the DFS nation is really thinking. And so I uh, – you know, I'm trying not to play sort of game theory because I'm sort of being out of the loop. So, you know, I look at the, the players above uh, 10K – and I'm looking at two names in particular, Jordan Spieth and Justin Rose. And those are probably going to be the, the two that I sort of target in on. Um, you know, I look at Justin Rose. He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. He burnt, I think, 25% of cash lineups at the U.S. Open. So anyone who played 
only plays sort of the majors. The last time they played, they could have been rostering Justin Rose and they and he burnt them. So they're not going to go back to him. So, you know, it is an English tournament. Uh, well, you know, British Open, well, sorry, the Open Championship. But is it actually in England? So, you know, I went in England, take an Englishman, I guess. So, um, you know, I'm looking at those two players. And Justin Rose played here as an amateur, I believe, when he was 18 years mm -hmm. old uh, in 1998 and uh, came fourth. And I, I was actually, to get a little bit of a feel for this course, I found a video on YouTube which had about uh, two hours of coverage from the 1998 final round. Uh, and it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, 17 or whatever he was, 18-year-old Justin Rose and uh, Jim Furyk from 20 years ago. Uh, already playing on the on, on those events so uh time goes by fast but uh yeah rose has uh, played here before and you know that, that's not a, something a lot of guys in this field can say that he came 70th before. though in 2008 so fourth and 98 uh tied fourth and 98 and 70th in in 2008 mm -hmm. but again course history with such a limited sample size i don't know what you're gonna get out of that this week but it's at least worth mentioning uh, and, and it does feel wide open. I mean, you mentioned you're not going to play the game theory angle on these top end guys quite as much. I mean, I don't think you're going to see a ton of ownership on DJ. I don't think you're going to see a ton on Rory, at least comparatively to where we're used to them being at with the, the form being so bad. Uh, and also the tee times, if, if the tee time edge holds, you know, Jordan Spieth is the guy out of this group that plays uh, later on, on Friday. So uh, Devo, what do you think about these guys at the top? I think it's an interesting conversation. There's seven of them. We usually have a few of them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like ownership is going to be very much focused on Spieth if the weather thing holds, as well as Rose. I think a lot of people are going to be drawn to Sergio. He's in the best form as far as strokes gained recently. Any of them, his stats are excellent. I think you're going to get Rory at extremely low ownership because he's just terrified of his putter right now. And I think you're going to get DJ at lower ownership than usually because he's coming off of two missed cuts, you know, six and seven weeks ago or so. And he's a bit overpriced. So there's so many good options in the lower range that, you know, my first instinct was that I just kind of want to fade all of these 10K guys because I really like some guys in the 9 and 8K range. But I think a lot of people are going to go that way too. And if they don't, they'll probably gravitate towards these focused guys. So for trying to win the Millie Maker, taking somebody like DJ or Rory, not Jason Day though. No. I think DJ or Rory are going to be some pretty excellent GPP plays. And I think the other guys, Rom and Sergio, will be excellent too if people get scared of the Friday AM win. So I'll just jump in on that. Sorry. I'll just jump no, in on that. If the weather starts pushing back to where maybe the afternoon wave on Friday becomes sort of iffy, Sergio then becomes probably the best out of the 10K, apart from J he's playing with Jason Day. So Sergio becomes the best uh, option above 10K because he has an 8, was an 8.03 uh, a.m. start on Friday. So he's still like, early on. Yeah, just play devil's advocate there. And, you know, if there is a massive swing, because, you know, weather changes, just like Kevin said, if there is a big swing the other way, then Sergio becomes probably one of the better options. 
Look, if it's unclear, I mean, we haven't mentioned this yet, but if it's unclear and, it, you know, it, the weather could swing either way, you know, it's looking like maybe the middle of the day on Friday is the worst and it could end up swinging either way. If you're making multiple lineups, you're absolutely doing yourself a disservice if you don't make at least some that have all the tea times grouped, you know, either in the AM on Friday or in mm-hmm. the in the afternoon on Friday. It's just this is a tournament where the weather can change on a dime and you, you, you could see clusters of guys get benefits. So if you're only doing one lineup, obviously the decision making is a little bit difficult there. If you're doing That's the scary part though, man. It's like if we're talking about weather changing on a dime and we're locking our lineups Wednesday night, yep. we're talking about Friday where the gnarly weather is. Mm-hmm. Right. And that could move. And so. I, th- I think this might be a great time just to point out that in Europe, they don't play off split tees and they start from the first tee. So rounds, the round is much longer. So there's much more variance between the, fir- the person who's, who starts versus the very last tee time in the day. Yeah, there's 10 hours difference. They're teeing off from 6.30 a.m. to 4 in the afternoon. So uh, with everybody off the first tee and no break and no two and a half, three hour break or whatever they have on the PGA Tour in between them. So really interesting conversation. And again, something to monitor as we go forward. Uh, yeah, Jason Day just seems like the, the 10K guy that is just hard to, to – click that button even you know considering game theory and low ownership i mean gib is what's wrong with him you're australian and figure it out i i went the game theory angle for the u.s open and i rusted him and he missed the cut so yeah i i, I didn't even know what what other tournament did he play uh he played the that. travelers and missed the cut by like four strokes and wasn't he a former winner there yeah, I played him for the game theory angle at that tournament. That didn't work out either. Yeah, so, yeah, no, nah, pass. I mean, I can honestly say, you know, just because he's a strain doesn't mean you have to take him. In, no, in I know. I'm just trying to get you to give uh, figure out what the problem is. Oh, mate, peaks and valleys. I always say it every year. I mean, golfers, they're the height. They earn the, the peak one year, and then two years later, they're in a the valley. They're hanging out with Henrik Stenson in the peaks and the valleys. Mm-hmm. He's the poster, <laughs> the poster boy. All right, let's move into the uh, golfers in the nine Ks. Uh, not too many of them here, but uh, Devo will let you take a crack at those guys. Uh, I like Tommy Fleetwood a bunch. He's in excellent form. He's a Euro, not necessarily a household name here in America. People are paying attention to the Vegas odds. They're probably going to like him. He's got a three ten p.m. afternoon on. Fr- a tea time on Friday. The stats are fantastic. I think he is an excellent play. I also really like Henrik Stenson at 9.6K. He's quietly been rounding back into the form that he was in last year when he went bananas with Mickelson. He also has a 2.48 p.m. tea time, and his stats are very excellent. Uh, and then I really like Hideki as well at 9.5K. Uh, I think they are excellent options and as well as a another late tee time, great stats, great form. And I think they're all going to be a little bit less owned than they should be because Ricky Fowler's at 9.2 K. He's significantly underpriced. He's the best bang for your buck. As far as Vegas odds go to win in this price range, he's in excellent form. He has not disappointed anybody in a long time. His stats look great. I think that Ricky Fowler is a must fade in the Millie maker. I think he's probably a must-play in cash games. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, uh, weather concerns aside, 
Ricky Fowler and Matt Kuchar, the two guys that are going to be the highest owned this week. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any question. Uh, Fowler at 9,200 is massively underpriced. Kuchar at 7,200 is massively underpriced. I and thought Brasson was going to be the highest owned. Yeah, sure you did. Uh, reason both, biased, bro. Both, both Fowler and Kuchar play Friday morning. Uh, so that is interesting. If that ends up being a, a bad weather draw, I can definitely see fading them. Yeah, maybe um, Fowler becomes contrarian. Yeah, yeah and then Fowler, <laughs> yeah, see, it's the never-ending circle of death. Uh, yeah, and we can't predict the weather on Friday very good. So, yeah. so um, anyhow, yeah, Fowler and Kuchar, they're both in the same wave. They're both underpriced. They're both going to be massive chalk. You know, a lot of times we can argue back and forth about who's going to be the highest owned, second highest owned guys. I don't think there's any question. All other concerns aside, that Fowler and Kucher would be massive chalk this week at their prices. So I agree. I think that makes the likes of Stenson and Matsuyama a little more interesting. Um, another note on Fleetwood, this is his home course. He grew up playing this course, and everyone's chatting about that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much traction he grabs, and his odds are all the way down to 20 to 1 or 22 to 1, depending on where you look, um, you know, from being in the 80, 90 range. So uh, the momentum is certainly behind Fleetwood, but there's pressure that comes with that too. Having the biggest mm-hmm. uh, rooting section in the in, in at the tournament in a in a big major, so it'll be interesting to see how Fleetwood handles that for sure. Uh, is DraftKings UK running yet? Are there going to be a bunch of people at this contest playing on DK? I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, but I don't huh. know how much traction. Now the has. UK players pulled in with us. I yes yeah. Okay. So maybe the ownership on the Euros will be slightly higher than we're 95% ownership on Tommy Fleetwood from the Brits playing this week. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point though. I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, if anyone is, if anyone is watching the show that is in the UK, thanks for watching and let us know if you can play on DraftKings, if you can play in the millionaire maker and all these other tournaments, pretty sure they can. Uh, but let us know Twitter or uh, the Roto Grinders chat, what have you. Uh, Gib, what are your thoughts on the nine uh, K guys here? Yeah, I mean, I, I've all I like even in the limited access that I've had to the interwebs in Australia, uh, I was hearing about Tommy Fleetwood over Twitter. Um, you know, I didn't get to see. Basically, when I got back to the US is when I started doing my research and realized that he uh, recently won. Uh, still, the spotlight sometimes you can. Uh, sort of burn you up. And if he's the hometown guy, I'm a bit iffy on whether or not I really want to roster him. I think people are going to be highly on him because by the time lineups lock, I think everyone's going to know that he's the hometown hero. So I, I, I probably end up fading away from him. I, I don't mind Stenson at all. I mean, he came, was it third here the last time it was played and he is the defending uh, open championship um, champion. So I'm looking at Hideki. I'm fading Fowler. I'm just hoping that Fowler is what Fowler can be sometimes. And that's a dude who can just, you know, quadruple bogey a hole and just take himself out of a tournament. He can do that at the drop of the hat. Um, He has that ability sometimes. He's playing great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, I'm fading you know, crossing my fingers, my toes, my legs, everything, you know, hoping that, you know, by me fading him, it's not going to come bite me in the butt. But, you know, I'm just going to do that because everyone's going to be, or potentially a lot of people are going to be on him for the 
millionaire maker, so I am going to play the fade game. Brooks Kepka is sort of piquing my interest a little bit more. Um, you know, I was reading an article about him today. You know, he he's taken the time off from the U.S. Open. He's de declined all late night show uh, interviews. He just just disappeared into the shadows to refresh the batteries, come focused. And he was talking about how he thinks Lynx golf is the greatest golf in the world. And he's chomping at the bit to get over to, well, he's over there now, but that he was chomping at the bit basically to get over to Europe and start playing some Lynx golf because that's when creativity happens and, and whatnot. And he just wants to play some uh, open championships. So that sort of uh, intensity, that sort of passion is something that I am looking at you know, in terms of confidence, just won his first major. He might be uh, fairly, uh, fairly highly owned. He's got a great afternoon tea time if the tea, uh, if that weather sort of holds true to what it is at the moment. So that's the only sort of apprehension I have about Brooks Koepka. Oh, give well back from vacation and finding a good reason to fade Ricky Fowler right off the bat. We knew that was coming. <laughs> Well, I was doing the expert survey and I saw Ricky, 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 Ricky. I was like, ooh, hmm. might have to uh, deviate from that one. All right. That takes us through the 9K range, uh, 8K range. Phil at 8,700. Adam Scott at 8,500. Thomas Peters, Ustase, and Justin Thomas, Paul Casey, Hatton, Brandon Grace, all these guys in the 8K range. Uh, Devo, what are you looking at for these guys this week? I like Louis Oosthuizen at 8.3K as a contrarian play. He's not as good as guys like Paul Casey or Adam Scott, but I also think he's going to be less owned that his not his goodness will be more than made up for an ownership differential. He's got good stats. He's got good odds, but he's just not a name that people like to play. So I think he's a really good differentiator there. I'm going to take the fade on Adam Scott. I think that he is a good play, but it's going to be too popular. Not sure if I can fake Paul Casey. I think that he might be popular-ish, not as popular as Scott, but uh, I love Casey's stats and form, and it's a, he's a British man himself. He's got good-looking odds versus his price tag. is a good value. Uh, Paul Casey is definitely my favorite play in the AK range. All right, Gib, you got a piping hot take on any of these guys? So, Louis Oosthuizen made my article for the U.S. Open. He made my article for the Open Championship. That's two articles in a row. I have talked about Louis Oosthuizen. Hell has frozen over, and I am talking about Louis Oosthuizen these days. Probably because Bryson DeChambeau took his uh, sort of spot as in, in the Gib Doghouse. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind Louis Easterson at all. Uh, you know, the only concern I've ever had with Louis was keeping his health in check. Um, and he's been off for a while, I think it is. So I don't mind him. He's an open championship winner himself. I mean, at St. Andrews, though, but I don't mind him. He's sort of played the Euro Tour before, so I, I don't mind that pick at all. I'm just sort of looking... You know, I heard that Phil's taking the driver out of the bag. So that becomes a little more interesting in terms of, hey, he's not going to shoot himself in the foot by, you know, just blasting that driver out into the rough. So it's really hard for me to take Phil, so I probably won't. But that does pique my interest just a little bit. 
And the other name, I mean, how far are we going down there, mate? Go down to Grace at 8K. Okay, so yeah, those are the, the two names that are really popping up for me. Maybe Justin Thomas just a little bit. Um, if, you know, the winds aren't playing up as much, uh, maybe the, uh, the, the big hitting Justin Thomas can sort of drive it out there a little bit. So, but mostly it's Louis Estes and, and that sort of price range that I'm liking a lot. Is he, is he going to be able to uh, golf well in his cardigan and his tie on Thursday? I, he, he'll be rocking it like whenever the the uh the wind like the temperature gets down low enough you always see louie with the beanie on uh, no it's uh justin thomas is golfing in a cardigan and a tie on thursday uh then i'm probably fading <laughs> sorry i didn't clarify who i was talking about yeah did it's on the it's on the twitter machine um need to check it out search uh, justin thomas uh outfit or whatever and you can see the pictures uh it's different uh, at least not what you would expect for justin thomas but anyway uh we do have a comment in the uh mm -hmm. uh chat from uh papa dom 182 confirmed watching and playing from the uk so uh there you go and he said on the other hand hardly anyone plays dfs over here so i wouldn't worry about higher ownership on fleetwood from that but uh they can play over there so so um uk viewers just, just a uh, little message to Papa Dom. How would you like the Lions of the All Blacks? So he'll, he'll, he'll probably get that. <laughs> is this a rugby reference? Yes, it is. <laughs> I remember the names anyway. All right. Uh, in the interest of time, we'll move down into the uh, 7Ks here. Started by Patrick Reed, Shane Lowry, Alex Noren. Lots of guys in here. You start to get into some of the European players. Keimer, Westwood, Wiesberger, Poulter. Poulter played well in the Scotland last week, but struggled on Sunday. You've got Schwartzel in here. You've got Leishman, who's a wind player in here. So plenty of names to dissect in the seven uh, Ks. Uh, Gib, I'll let you go first here. Yeah. When I mentioned about how far we're going down, I like Shane Lowry. Um, you know, I always equate him to a, a great links player and great in the wind. So if the wind does pick up, when I was researching, though, it was very interesting to see that he's missed the last two cuts at the Open Championship, which I found strange because he's actually becoming um, sort of better as a player and he's missing cuts at the Open Championship. I hope that drives down ownership because I still feel that he's in a good position here. He's got a late afternoon tea time. And so, uh, yeah, I think... Um, Lowry is a, is a solid option. Leishman, he's, uh, I, I think he's made four out of uh, six cuts at the Open Championship. You mentioned he's a great win player, fellow countryman, so uh, I like him a lot. I have Poulter ticked as a maybe, as a, you know, an outside chance of rostering him. I, it just pains me to do that, but you can't. I was going to say, that's a, that's a healthy endorsement then, because that's. Yeah, easy. I know. I'm, it's, yeah, so. I, I don't mind how his form's been at the moment. So, yeah, Ian, <laughs> Ian Poulter, you know, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, Devo, what are your thoughts on some of these uh, high 7K guys? I think that Ian Poulter's form has been fantastic. I love his approach game. Uh, it's his off the tee and his green and regulation game that I'm worrying about there. He's not super accurate off the tee at all. I think that Poulter is going to kind of be chalky. Uh, I totally agree with you on Leishman, but I think that he's going to get a lot of attention too. I love your Lowry call. I don't think he's going to get much attention at all, neither him nor Reed. 
I think people are either going to pay up for Grace or Casey or Thomas or Ustays or Peters or Scott, which are all very fine options, or just pay down to guys like Leishman. I think that Alexander Norn is going to get some attention. I mean, the dude is the ninth-ranked golfer in the world. His form is excellent, and his odds are more likely to win than, you know, Poulter, Lowry, or Reed. So I think that Leishman and Norn will soak up most of that ownership. I like Norn the best. I think he still might be lower owned than Leishman because he's been so popular, you know, for so long and just been doing so well. Um, I, I do like, I don't know, I, I guess Norn's probably my favorite play in there just based on ownership, but I don't know, maybe Lowry isn't going to be the best play for the million maker, just, you know, based on ownership versus projection. Because Lowry is almost as good as those other guys, but he's going to be way less owned. You got any other guys you like in the 7Ks, Devo? Not until we get down to two point seven point two. Uh, I of course like Kucher, but I just need to fade him in GPPs because he's going to be too popular. Um, big fan of Patty Harrington at seven point two k. He's been in excellent form. Old dude himself. Great stats for this course, and yeah, I think he'll just be so much less popular than Kucher that he's a superior play. Yeah, he won here in uh, 2008, which doesn't hurt. Always loves playing on links. And if you haven't seen his new swing, uh, it's interesting. If compared Patty Harrington. To, uh, yeah, have you seen it? Uh, I'm sure it would be different next week. <laughs> They've compared it to, uh, they're calling it the Happy Gilmore. Um, oh, geez. He, he, almost, he, he almost turns his whole body. It, it's something to take pressure off of his back. Um, it's very strange. I watched a few holes of the Scottish Open last week, and it's remarkable. He's been remarkably repetitive with it, and he came in fourth place, and he's made four cuts in a row with it. So it's oh, he's it's a two-time bizarre. Open champion and defending champion at this course. But the dude tinkers more than Tinkerbell. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying <laughs> it's strange. It's it's very weird, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things pointing in his direction this week, and it's it's odd. I can't tell you the last time I've played Patty Arrington, but I do like him this week, especially with Kucher right there soaking up gobs of ownership. So I will say in this uh, mid-7K range, if weather flip-flops, devil advocate again, Bern Wiesberger becomes a decent option. He has a 7.41 a.m. tea time, and he's uh, has, I don't think he's missed the cut this uh, in 2017. So... Uh, if the weather does change, Bern Wiesberger might be a, a solid option if weather permitting. Yeah, he has not missed a cut all year. And before DraftKings updated for the Scottish Open, uh, there was a time last week or on Monday where it showed him as making 16 out of 15 cuts. So uh, he had made more cuts than events played. It was really <laughs> impressive. Uh, does that do it for the 7K? Gib, you got anybody else in the 7Ks? Uh, I don't know. If we're going accuracy, it's hard to overlook Francesco Molinari. He's always the poster child for for fairway accuracy. So, you know, it, it just really depends on what his ownership might be. He's got a 10.09 Friday tee time, so that's might be right in the teeth of the bad weather. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, it all depends. Um, Andy Sullivan, another guy that I'm looking at at 7K, he was on my – big roster from the open championship last year. So 
Uh, he's got a little place in my heart for that. And also 13th, 20th, and 9th, his last three starts. He's an Englishman as well. Uh, I think he's a strong play at uh, 7,000. And, you know, these uh, the Euro Tour regulars, just your casual fans aren't going to know a whole lot of these guys. So they'll just, uh, they'll just glance right over Andy Sullivan. The sharper players will know, but uh, he rounds out the 7Ks for me. Uh, Devo, anybody we might have missed in the 7Ks or else uh, go with your other value plays? Yeah, I'll uh, get on your wagon with Andy Sullivan. I think he's a fantastic play and he's going to be pretty overlooked at 7K. Uh, I think that Francesco Mananari is going to be a little bit chalkier than we anticipate in this range here. I think a lot of people are going to lean the driving accuracy thing. He has 17th ranked golfer in the world. His odds are good, but not great for the price tag. I worry about his tee time at 10.09. Uh, I, I like Charles Schwartzel as a pivot off of Molinari and Kucher also. Uh, he's just another one of those guys that's like almost as good as these other options, but won't be as popular. And he's really the quintessential GPP play. I mean, the guy miscut second place, 35th, withdraw, miscut third. So that's what I'm looking for if I'm trying to win a million bucks. And... I think I just need to fade Kucher because he's going to be way too popular and there's enough fine options around here to commentate. Fade the Skechers. That's the, uh, that's the key. Quick, quick thing on Kucher. If you're on Twitter, go check out the Kucher swearing video. It's, that's pretty fun. <laughs> I saw that the other day. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, all right. Give a couple values. Okay, so uh, down uh, below 7K, 6.9. I'm sort of leaning more and more towards Soren Yeltsin. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, very accurate guy. Uh, his tea time is 12.31 p.m. on the Friday. So, you know, if there's any sort of gusts are in the morning, that could sort of die down towards it. Interesting note about the, uh, the direction where the wind's going to come from on Friday is from the south. Uh, and that means that there's three holes that play downwind, uh, downwind. six uh, have headwinds, and then the other nine are crosswinds. Those three downwinds are actually the uh, first hole and fourth hole and then the tenth hole. So, um, you know, if the winds are sort of still whipping up right when someone starts, if you can time it right, you might get a little bit of a boost out of those uh, holes one and four. So... Uh, I'm trying. No, I'm definitely not trying to pick that at all. But you know, Soren, he's a very accurate driver. Uh, you know, if you if we're going to go course management type player, he's a good player. Uh, it's hard for me not to go with the man of steel. He has uh, two o'clock uh, tea time, and then there's uh, I have a few more. I don't want to take up all the time, so you know, I have a few more after that. If you guys want to talk about them. Oh, just rapid fire a couple names out there. Okay, uh, Tony Finau, he got in through the uh, Ben Curtis withdrawal. And my uh, two other players, they're both priced the same. Uh, it's really hard not to look at Brand Snedeker. I think he's ranked, what, 33 in the world, and he's ranked at 6.8. He has a 50-50 made cut percentage. He's first three uh, open championships. He missed the cut last four out of five. He's made the cut. Uh, he's a solid player in solid form. And my surprise top 10 this week is Gary Woodland. Uh, he obviously had the, uh, the death of one of his uh, twins. Um, and I won't go into too much more of that. Um, before the Masters, everything's good now. He's in a great place. Looking forward to this tournament. Great course, uh, open history. 
All right. Uh, any last names from you, Devo? Woods, Snedeker, Berger, Cabrera-Bello, Fisher, Ben on Duffner. All right. Yeah. Plenty of values down in that 6.7, 6.8, 6.9 K. Agree on Snedeker, Cabrera-Bello, uh, winner at the Scottish Open last week as well. So those are a couple of the values that I like. And that's going to do it. The hour flew by. It's going to do it for us. Talk of the Open Championship. Again, keep an eye on the weather forecast heading up to tea time. And uh, we will be back with you next week from the RBC uh, for the RBC Canadian Open. So best of luck in all your contests this week, everybody. Hopefully one of us can take down a million dollars. We will see you next Tuesday. Until then, take care. Good luck. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Care Centers, you'll get a $75 prepaid Visa card when you spend $250 on Napa brake parts, which is cause to celebrate. Because normally the sound of screeching brakes means your bank account's about to take a hit. But getting $75 back makes that hit not so bad. Quality parts installed by the pros. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Care Centers, exclusions apply. Offer ends 63019.